You're listening to Louder Builder, a podcast dedicated to marketing in the building services industry. Here's your host, Rusty George. Welcome to another episode of Louder Builder, a podcast that's dedicated to those in charge of business development through better promoting a company in the building services industry. You might be an owner or marketing manager or just somebody in charge of marketing, which might mean that you're just an engineer or project manager that kind of got battlefield promoted to do something about your company's embarrassingly outdated website. Well, this is specifically for you. Now, starting off with a story about Abraham Wald. Now, Abraham was a brilliant statistician who was employed by the military in World War II. And it was his job to go through and count every single bullet hole in the fuselages of the bombers that were returning from the bombing missions over Germany. And he and his team would take that data and superimpose it onto schematics of the bombers and they would create patterns of the highest concentration of where the bullets were so they would make recommendations on where to place extra armor. And the pilots didn't like that because they made the planes heavier and more difficult to fly with more armor and it really wasn't doing anything to change the statistics about the shootdown rate. But after studying the patterns, Abraham made a brilliant observation and recommendation that today seems like a no-brainer, but up until that point was revolutionary because nobody had thought about it yet. He suggested that instead of putting all the armor where all the bullet holes were, why not put the armor in the empty space where the bullet holes were not? Because the planes that were being hit there were the ones that weren't returning. The success rate increased dramatically because of the fact that he took the time to study the patterns and instead of concentrating where everybody else was concentrating, focus on the empty space that in the end really mattered. I'm Rusty George and I work with building services companies like construction, engineering, uh, materials suppliers, subcontractors, just like yours. And it's my goal to build a resource library that spells out step by step how you can better promote yourself in the B2B world of the building industry. The last episode we started with the fundamental building block of understanding who the heck we're talking to in the first place. And now this episode is the next brick that we put onto the foundation, getting a bead on your competition in order to claim a space apart from what they're all saying and doing and establishing a marketing platform that connects and truly matters to those audiences. Now, when I talk about air quotes competition, I usually either get a real cringe response or a total shrug off from leaders of building companies. It's not like other industries like restaurants where you know you have four or five other guys in your space and it's your job to steal the butts from their seats and put them into yours during lunch hour. The building industry is a little bit trickier. I mean, you all kind of play in the same sandbox together and you really don't want to get too aggressive to one another. I mean, you all sit on the same boards, you're all part of the same association, uh, you go to the same trade shows, some of your team members might have actually been employed by them at one point in their career or vice versa. You actually might borrow workers or resources from one another in order to get a project done in a pinch. Or you might be known for a core competency, but then you have this ancillary service that you try to sell to them in order to get an additional revenue stream. So unless you actually refer to them as very friendly competition, or you shrug off the whole idea of competition altogether, it actually visibly makes you uncomfortable to talk about competition. 
Also in the marketing industry, we have this inside joke that our clients always tell us that their target audience is men and women ages zero to 99. Uh, you do government work, but you also do commercial. You're known for your high-end enterprise level buildings, but you also have a division that does private residential homes. Uh, you might have a mechanical engineering firm, but it's divided into all these categories like HVAC and plumbing and electrical, etc. So it's kind of like using a spear gun going up against a big swirling massive school of tuna. It's virtually impossible to pick out and target exactly who you're going up against, so I understand how it's easy to shrug it off or not even think about it in the first place. And I get it that thinking in a competitive mindset is not a strong muscle that you really have, but our goal in this is to establish a strong position that stands you apart from the other guys in the industry. And in order to do that, we have to figure out what makes your company truly unique by discovering a competitive advantage. In order to establish a real competitive advantage, we need to reframe our thinking just for this exercise at least. You need to build a list of companies who may be pilfering projects or workers that should belong to you and really start thinking of them as competitors. Now keep in mind that quote unquote competition is not just limited to the four or five other firms in your area that you know of that are gonna throw in a bid to the next project. It also includes the two chucks in the truck that you always dismiss that they're you know too small to even worry about and they're gonna throw off the pricing curve all the way up to the national conglomerates that are trying to extend their tentacles into your local market that you also kind of don't even think about because you're like, well, they're too big to go after the projects that we usually go after. The thing is, out of the three of those, you are the one that's doing the least amount of self-promotion. The two checks in the truck are at least doing their due diligence about search engine marketing and pay-per-click and all those little things that get them a little bit ahead of you in search results pages. And the national conglomerates, I don't need to tell you, have rooms of people dedicated to out-dazzling you with their depth of bench and their pedigree and all the right things to say in order to win over procurement managers and developers so that they take those projects and talent away from you. If you continue to have a laissez-faire attitude towards competition, you're going to continue to lose ground to them slowly but surely if you haven't noticed that you are losing ground already. When we as an agency are developing brand campaigns or marketing plans or websites for building companies, a huge component of that is the competitive analysis. And we use two approaches, quantitative and qualitative research. And it's always like stalactite, stalagmite. I have to kind of think an extra second on which one's which. Um, quantitative is the study of quantities, so objective data. And then qualitative is gathering quality insights on the human level. And the goal is to take enough information from both of those and synthesize them together in order to detect the patterns and then identify the opportunities on which to capitalize. First of all, you drop a list of five to 10 other firms in your region that you know that you go up against on a regular basis. And then you do a little qualitative research by, I know a big revelation here, bringing up their website. But don't just go right towards their project page or their case studies, go, oh, we bid on that project, we could have done such a better job. 
Go beyond that to their About Us page, their history, their team page, their service offerings and capabilities, who are their partners, and compare them, what they're saying, with the other companies on your list and detect the patterns. And you'll be surprised to find that pretty much all of them say exactly the same thing. What are they saying? And most importantly, what are they not saying based on what you now know about your audiences? And take note of that for what we're going to do later. Another piece of low-hanging intel gathering fruit is getting your hands on their proposals. But how do you do that? It's not like they're going to happily send them all over to you if you give them a call. I'm surprised at how few building firms actually take advantage of the Freedom of Information Act. When a government agency puts out an RFP, they're obligated to release all the information to anyone who asks. All you have to do is submit a request and they know the drill. They'll either invite you over to the location to go over the physical copies or they'll actually email them to you or put them on a file sharing drive for you to review. And the first tendency that you, like everybody else would have when you get your hands on these proposals is to skip right towards the pricing. And they might not include that because that might be sensitive information, but you're not here for that anyways. At this point, what you're doing is looking at the structure of the presentation as a whole. Are they stuffing it with way too many words? Is it uh, overwhelming and overkill? Or are they not doing a good enough job in explaining parts of the process all the way through? Are they leaving you hanging? Are they talking transactionally? Or are they making a really compelling case as the firm of choice? Knowing your audiences, what are they all saying? And where are some opportunities that you can capture to get a little bit better than all of them? Both the website and the proposal are snapshots of how your competitors are selling themselves to your audience. So again, put yourself in the shoes of your audience and ask yourself, what about the makeup and the messaging is compelling? What is irrelevant? Do they spend the majority of the time talking about how great they are? Or do they actually provide great expertise and make a good case on why anyone should go with them? Your main goal is to identify the patterns. Notice how they're all super similar, how they talk, if not identically. And compared to your audience's needs, what are they forgetting about? What are they not saying? So that you can actually claim that position as your competitive advantage. And now for the quantitative part, you really have to understand what keywords are and how they really rule the competitive landscape online. <laughs> yes, biz dev in the building industry is still about relationships and no, it's very unlikely someone's going to award a $100 million project to the first person that came up on the search engine results page. But there are over 5.6 billion search queries on Google alone every day, not to mention the other search engines. And believe it or not, there is someone out there that's typing in a keyword or a phrase that should be bringing up your website. So internet search plays a lot bigger role in your biz dev strategy than you and other builders want to acknowledge. And that trend is only getting stronger. Now consider this scenario. Imagine you just had a really great presentation with a prospective client, really big project. The chemistry worked out just great. Now you know that the first thing they're going to do when you leave is to check out your website to make sure that you are who you say you are. Now we've all kind of gotten lazy recently and instead of actually taking the time to type in your website address verbatim into the browser bar, we kind of just type in the company name like Fishbine Construction 
and then trust Google to do the work of bringing up that link that we can click on. But Google is in it for the money just like everyone else. We've all been in the situation where we type in a company name or a product or a service and all of these other companies came up before the one that we really wanted. And that's not bad programming. That's not a glitch. That's actually someone out there that set up a paid search plan, otherwise known as PPC or pay-per-click, where they actually bid on those very terms, everything about your services, all the keywords to find your company. And in some diabolical cases, they can actually bid on your name so that their company's website address comes up before yours. And if your clients for intrigued or curious to click on that company before yours and if that website does a good job to steal them away you'd be out of luck without even knowing about it to help our quantitative research we use a variety of online tools so that we can actually get a better understanding of how our clients are ranking uh, what are the keywords that are driving them to those rankings and who are the people out there that are competing for those very keywords there's Moz, SEMrush or some people call it SEMrush there's SpyFu, just to name a few, and each one of them has its strengths, but in most cases, all you have to do is go to their website and type in your website address. It will churn on it and return a report on how you're doing. What are your rankings? What are the keywords that you can then use in your content and messaging going forward that will actually boost up your rankings? And most importantly, who is competing against you? And you'll be surprised. There might be some companies out there that you've never even heard of before that are doing 10 times better than you. And most importantly, that you'll actually discover that some of your friendly competitors might not be as amiable as you were once thinking. Now this keyword knowledge is gonna come in handy in the future. But for now, keep in mind the task at hand is to add any of these additional competitors that you may have not even thought of or considered before to your research list. Again, audit their websites, seek out their proposals, and compare the messaging and content. What are they saying that's similar to the ones that you've already gathered, and where are their opportunities to stand apart from them? And now that you're armed with this reconnaissance, your next job is to apply some investigative journalism, going through and organizing and categorizing all the information and finding those patterns. One category could be about how all of the companies talk about customer service. And the next one could be about the fact that most of them talk about longevity as a selling point, etc., etc. And once you've built these patterns of highest concentration, compare your findings with what you've now learned about your audiences. Ask yourself, what really matters to my audiences and how are all these companies falling short to address them? How are they missing the opportunity to have a real conversation and really compel the audiences? And that is the space that you're shooting for, a unique position that will give you that true competitive advantage. In our next episode, we'll lay another brick onto our strategic foundation, finding examples of those who are doing a good job with their brand and marketing that we can emulate and draw inspiration from. But that comes a little later. But for now, I always found that the best motivator to get serious about enhancing a marketing strategy is the gnawing feeling that every day that passes that you don't do anything your competition is gaining a little ground on you. However, the best part of the building industry is if you extend even half of an effort, then you probably have a leg up on most everyone else. I'm Rusty George and I wish you the best as you start to get a grasp on who your competition is and detect those patterns, how they're all similarly talking about themselves and then find that unique sweet spot space that actually connects with your audiences better so that you can develop a competitive advantage. 
And on that, you can build a way stronger brand, a way smarter marketing strategy, win more business, attract more team members, and ultimately become a louder builder. Thank you for listening to Louder Builder, a podcast dedicated to marketing in the building services industry. Be sure to like and subscribe, and don't forget to visit us on louderbuilder.com.